Today we are on our series, we're wrapping it up actually, over the last uh, four weeks we've been talking about uh, some famous hymns that the church has sang for, uh, for decades, and some of them for a hundred years, but today we're wrapping up How Sweet the Sound. Church, can you say How Sweet the Sound? Awesome. I'm liking this whole call and repeat thing. It's bringing back the whole Pente- I'm looking at you for some reason, but I'm bringing back the whole Pentecostal feeling. But uh, but no, we're wrapping up how sweet the sound. And what we've been talking about uh, is some of these uh, these hymns that we've sang for hundreds of years and discovering some biblical truths uh, from them. Week one, uh, we talked about amazing grace, and we talked about the grace uh, that God has, the powerful grace that is that allows us to operate with the covering of Jesus's blood. Amen. And uh, so we talked about amazing grace. Week two, we talked about a hymn uh, called What a Friend We Have, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Um, and that uh, is talking about this hymn. We actually haven't sang it until that day. Uh, I believe it's on our website, uh, therockmp.com. By the way, all sermons are recorded except for last Sunday's. We weren't able to get up there, so I apologize. Um, but they're all recorded so you can catch up. But we talk about what a friend we have in Jesus. And it talks about that we have this privilege uh, going back to scripture, it says, you know, I don't confide in slaves, meaning he's saying you're not a slave anymore. In fact, you're free. And because you're free, I can confide in you as my own personal friend. So you need to know this morning, Jesus, that he doesn't count you just one of his children, but he also counts you as a friend. And because of that, we have the ability to uh, take everything to prayer for him, talking about the power of prayer and the privilege that we have with that. Uh, last week, we talked about the fun hymn, I'll Fly Away. Uh, we had uh, a really awesome time up here. We had the band, guest banjo player uh, last Sunday. We had a little uh, down there, and so that was really, really fun. Uh, so if you guys missed out on that, sorry. Uh, you'll have to come back next year when we come back to the series. I don't know. Um, but no, it was just a really, really great, uh, great time. And we talked about the return of Jesus. And we talked about how Jesus, he's coming back not as a baby, but as a conquering king. And that for those of us who believe in him, he's coming to actually take us home. Uh, this thing that we call the rapture. And we kind of, even though it sounds kind of scary, hopefully we did a good job to let you know that's not a scary thing. It's actually a very uh, good thing that we can rejoice in. And the fact that we can hope and hold on to that Jesus is going to keep his promise and he's coming back for us one time. Amen? Amen? All right. And so today we're actually going to look at a very powerful hymn. Uh, we have sang this a lot, uh, all the different various renditions. We actually just got done singing it. But it's this hymn called It Is Well With My Soul. And But before we go in there, uh, it, you, we, we sang kind of a rendition of it, and we talked about, uh, if you kind of stand back and look at the lyrics, it's talking about, like, really, what do you do when you have a bad day? What do you do when you have a bad week or a bad season. So before we get going there, I want to show you some pictures of uh, people that are having bad days. You can throw the first one up there. Um, this is a guy, um, I think he's still in there. Um, I, that, that's a bad day. I don't know if you guys been in a porter potty when it's standing up, uh, but it's gross. It is really gross. Can you imagine being one when it tips over? Not, not good, not good. Uh, here's, here's another bad day. Here's another bad day. Um, this is a bad day for parents. Um, I really hear the, the peanut butter face mask does wonders for your skin. Um, and uh, I guess that parent found out very quickly. I just want to put it, thank God it was peanut butter. Amen, parents? Thank God it was peanut butter. You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to keep this G-rated, but oh, thank God it was peanut butter. Uh, the next one, here, here's another bad day uh, for pastors and anyone. Um, that is... Uh, that's just not good. <laughs> that's just not good. You have to have a, you have to have a certain humor about death with that. Uh, that that that's uh, that's not good for any, especially the pastors, right, Phyllis? That's not a good day for the pastors. How do you recover from that? I don't know. I don't. It hasn't happened to me yet. 
yet. And so uh, here's, here, here's the last bad day picture. Um, yeah. Uh, so I just want to say, I don't know if that's his girlfriend in the back that's like laughing at him. But ladies, if your special someone tries to catch a ball from, do not laugh at them. When they get hit in the face with the baseball, it's, it's not good. And so uh, those are guys just having uh, a bad day. Uh, anyone here have bad days in life? Anyone here have bad days in life? I have had plenty of bad days. And uh, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, is perhaps one of my favorite hymns uh, that we sing because it addresses this issue that when I'm having a bad day or if I'm having a bad week or if I'm having a bad season, uh, what do we do as believers? I mean, what do we do as believers when we have a bad day? Because if you, if you look at the world, when the world's having a bad day, they kind of have their own way of handling it, right? They, they, they vent on Facebook, uh, they yell at someone, they try to play the, the blame game, it's someone else's fault, or they blame the government, or whatever, and yada, yada, yada. But I want to let you know, God has set his church apart, meaning that he set his children, us, us as believers apart, meaning that we have a different way of handling our bad days, or we should. We should have a different way of handling our bad days. There's a lot of seasons in this life where we have a bad day and we're wondering, where is God? Where is God? Where is he? And a lot of times as Christians, and, and I'm not saying this to, to pick on you because I've done this plenty of times, but uh, there are times where we experience pain and heartache and loss, suffering, and justice. And we, we do the good Christian thing of praying to God, like, God, would you rescue me from this circumstance? Would you rescue me from this bad season or this situation? And we have this, ex- this big expectant faith thinking God's going to swoop in and save the day and we're going to be all right. But sadly, more times than not, we see the opposite. Where we have this expectant faith, we're expecting God to swoop in and save us. But we're left there, and it seems like God is ignoring us. And it leaves us asking this question, God, where are you? I mean, have you ever felt like this? Have you been in that season? I mean, what do you do when that happens to you? I mean, I, I have been in that place time and time again, and each time I, I, I've reacted just a little bit differently, but it is a very hard place to be in. The hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, addresses that very same question. What do we do when we have a bad day as Christians? Let me give you a little backstory of the song. The song was written uh, by, gay, by a guy named uh, Horatio Spafford, and he was a successful lawyer in Chicago, and he had four daughters and a son, and there was a season in his life, you know, we're talking about bad seasons, there was a season in his life that were actually going great, it wasn't a bad season. Um, he was a very successful uh, guy investing in real estate along the Michigan, uh, the Lake Michigan shoreline, uh, he was a very successful lawyer, he had a beautiful family, everything was going super, super well for him, but then seasons change, don't they, church? A season changed in Horatio Spafford's life, and a good season turned into a season of turmoil and uh, tribulation, that we like to call it. Uh, what happened, a Chicago fire, the great Chicago fire back, uh, back in the day, uh, it rose up and it happened, and Horatio, he invested heavily in real estate, and all his real estate that he invested in burned up in the fire, losing millions and millions of dollars. Uh, frankly, he was entering a financial ruin situation. He was going bankrupt, and, uh, and on top of that, as if, if that uh, wasn't enough. His one and only son, Horatio, loses his son to uh, pneumonia during that same season. So not only did he uh, have to go into bankruptcy, but now he lost a child 
And if you've lost a child, you know the pain and heartache that that brings during that season. And so Horatio, uh, his season has gone from great to the worst. A season where it was full of probably rejoicing and praising God to a season of, God, where are you? So what do you do when that happens? Well, I don't know for you, but for me, I like to get away, take a little breather, right? Go on a little bit of vacation. And so Horatio set up with his wife and his four daughters to go take a European trip. And uh, he says, you know what, babe, you go. I don't know if he called him babe. That's just my natural thing. I don't know if they had that back in the day. Uh, but he says, you know what, wonderful wife. Uh, he sent them on ahead because he had an uh, immediate business thing to go to. So he said, hey, you go ahead uh, with the daughters, and I'm going to stay right here, handle this business thing, and I'll meet you in a couple days. And so he sends them off, and he's handling his, uh, his business meeting, and then he gets this telegraph, this telegraph from his wife. Uh, it's about four or five days later, and he says, telegraph says, lost everything, what should I do? And lo and behold, what happened was is his wife and his four daughters were overseas, and they came uh, across another shipping vessel, and it struck them, and the ship actually sunk in 10 minutes, killing a majority of the people, including his four daughters, leaving his wife on a ship, uh, piece, of, piece of ship wreckage, and another ship found her. And so he gets this telegraph that says, everything's lost, what shall I do? I think we've been in that season, or maybe some of us, Everything's lost. What do I do now? Horatio is in this season of distress and, and turmoil. Upon receiving that, uh, Horatio, he immediately got a ticket to the next ship out, and he sailed in, uh, to go meet up with his wife. And as he was sailing, the captain called him out on the deck of the ship and mentioned that the area that they're currently passing through uh, was the area that uh, his daughter's ship went down, uh, the ship that killed his daughters and leaving his wife on a, uh, a piece of wreckage there. Uh, and so he got to kind of sit in that area for a little bit, and this is when he penned um, the first verse of this song. By the way, a lot of the hymns that we sing, whether they're peppy and happy or they're sad and sorrowful, a lot of them come out from a deep place of anguish. Uh, and I've come to find out that it's in that deep place of anguish, anguish that God speaks the clearest. And this is where he writes this. If you guys want to send your worship guide notes, you guys can read along with me. But he penned these lyrics. He says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou, meaning God, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Everyone say, it is well. It's the phrase that you need to keep in your back pocket through this life. It's a phrase that you need to commit to memory when life hits the hardest. It's something that you might need to verbalize even when you do not want to say it out loud. It is well. Three strong words that you need to know. It's actually, this whole hymn is penned after um, a verse that we should probably memorize too as well. It's uh, Psalm 34, 18. It's a piece of powerful scripture that I want to show you. It's a promise to us as believers about what does Jesus do when we're trapped in the midst of horrible anguish. It says this, says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let me read it one more time. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Here's the thing, church. In this life, we're going to have trouble. You're going to, and that's not Pastor Vaughn saying it. That's actually scripture saying that. It's saying in this life, you will have trouble. Meaning that if you count yourselves as a Christian, if you step in this relationship with God, do not be surprised when you have a bad day. Because it's going to happen. 
And in this life, it, it shouldn't be about what do we do if we have a bad day. It should be more about what do we do when we have a bad day. Because it's going to happen. In fact, all of us sitting right here, you have been through a bad day, you're going to go through a bad day, or you already just went through a bad day. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And so we have to ask this question, what do we do when we go through a bad day? And as most of us know, there's uh, not a lot uh, that we can go through uh, when having through uh, just bad times or having a bad day. But there are a few things that we can remember to endure those bad days. A few things that you can remember when going through a bad day. Because, again, when we go through a bad day, there's not a lot we can do. Kind of feels hopeless, don't it? You may feel kind of lost or you just don't know what the next step is. But there are three things I want you to remember when you go through a bad day. Three thoughts to keep during a bad day. And this allowed me to know that God is still there even when I don't see him or feel him. And really quick, a lot of us Christians, we lose a lot of hope when we don't feel God. You need to know these three things to endure a bad day. So here, here's three thoughts to keep during a bad day, and it's from this hymn. This first thought I want you to write down is this, is that this, God is in control. God is in control. Now, to be honest, I have a hard time saying this one. I have a hard time saying God is in control. Not because I don't believe it. I believe it with everything in my spirit that God is fully in control. But my flesh says, how? Or why? Or I see stuff on the news. How is God in control of this? If God is really in control, how is he going to address this? If God is really in control, how come we have bad days? How? Why? I have a hard time saying God is in control. But I knew this, I know this to be true because of what the Bible says. Here's another little tidbit of nuggets. There, there's a lot of them this morning, aren't there? Uh, there is another thing I want you to put on there. Um, the reason we know this is true, because as Christians, we believe that the Bible is true. And the Bible states a lot of things that talks about God. This is what the Bible says about God and being in control. Isaiah 41.10, it says this. He says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't freak out, I'm by your side. Don't be discouraged because I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Church, when it comes to difficult times, it's very easy to fall into fear thinking you're all alone and realizing everything is out of control. And it feels like everything is falling apart. And to be honest, we see this in our city right now. I mean, don't we? You go look at the mall, stores are closing left and right. We had two big box stores that closed and people were getting fired. We had the railroad doing layoffs. People were losing jobs. Families were moving out. People don't know if they're going to get fired. We don't know where the economy is going. The housing market is going down. It feels like it could be out of control. And to be honest, a lot of people say it is out of control. But I, don't want, I want to let you know and remind you once again, as believers, you are set apart. We operate differently than the world. So we have to say this, despite of all of that, it's hard to say it, but we have to know because of what the Bible just said, we know that God is still in control. We know that we're not supposed to be afraid because God is with us. We're not supposed to be discouraged because we serve a big God. That actually, even though we feel weak and our place around us feels weak, God is actually upholding us and strengthening us. That he'll actually hold you up with a victorious hand, which means that you are going to win in this season. 
If you put your trust and your hope in God, you will win. It may not feel like a win, but according to God, he's going to turn it into good. That's the last point. Don't write that down yet. But it's going to be a win. And I believe if we have the ability to see in seeing into the better tomorrow in the midst of our bad day today, it would be so much easier to say that God is in control, wouldn't it? If we could see the sunrise of tomorrow, it would be so easy saying, okay, if we can see the up curve of growth in our economy, we say, oh, it's going to be okay. If we know our baby is going to come out well in, in, at, at, at the time of its birth, it would be, it'd be easy to say it's okay. If we know we're not going to lose our job, if we know we're not going to lose our house, if we know that we're not, we're going to go through this bad day and see the good thing at the other end, it would be easy to say that God is in control. But the sad reality, that is not how it works. We don't see in tomorrow. We just know today. But there is a way to know that God is in control, and I just talked about that. And it's the second thought to keep with you during a bad day. Thought number two to have during a bad day. God turns bad into good. God turns bad into good. Romans 8, 28, he says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. This morning, do you love God? You have to answer that question first. Do you love God? Because if you do, don't freak out. The bad day will be turned into a good day. It's a promise that we can hold on to. It's something that we must endure. And there's going to be a time where we wake up and you will see the sunrise. It's going to be there. Because the Bible states it. And it's true. God turns bad into good. Every bad day that I had, church, every bad situation, the tragedy that I have went through, everything has came full circle in later of life, and it, God actually turned that bad into good. And here's the remarkable uh, miracle of this. God not only turns it to good for his glory, but he uses it to benefit you. Your mess-up, our mess-up, or the mess-ups that someone else's has caused to get us in a bad day or a bad situation, he'll use it to glorify him and to benefit you. It is the weirdest act of miracle that I, I, I don't fully understand. I cannot mess a day bad enough for God not to be able to use it. I mean, that's how big of a God that we serve. So you need to hold on to that, church. Every tragedy, every bad thing that I have went through, it has came full circle and has actually benefited me. Not to say that I'm glad that it happened. There's a lot of things I wish that God, I would have rather skipped that. Anyone here with me this morning? Like, I would have not went through that season. But God has a way of taking my bad days and using them for good, not only to benefit me, but here's another thing. He can use it to benefit others. He can use it to benefit others. And guess what? It all glorifies God. It all glorifies God. And because of that, I can walk firmly and confidently where God has called me to go. God turns the bad into good. Now, I'm going to share a couple stories here. I might go, go through them. I might get a little excited, so I encourage you guys to go along with me. But I have shared all these stories, but I'm going to share them again to remind us and myself that God truly does take the bad and turn them to good. Here's the thing, church. Sometimes the best antidote for our, our bad day is to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Y'all should be writing that one down. That was really good. Good job, God. That was really, really good. 
But you have to remember God's faithfulness in the past. It's the best antidote for the bad day. I mean, here, here's some God's faithfulness in my past. Some of these are personal. Some of these are from in our congregation that I, I have the uh, opportunity to share. But God took the bad day when we found out that Aspen was born with Down syndrome and used it for good in the way that Jill and I now have the opportunity to reach out to families who have special needs children, who in a large part, church, 90% of families who have a special needs child, they don't go to church. They don't go to church because they feel like their children is a hassle at church. Let me tell you, they're a gift from God. And now because that our daughter, we can walk in their shoes, we can reach out to them. And night today, we're operating, we're trying to start a special needs room where we can have the families come in and say, hey, don't worry, your child, your child is not a hassle here. They're actually a blessing from God and you can come to church. Come on, that's good. That's good. God turned that bad day and to good. Let me tell you another one. God took the bad day of a young girl whose family attends their church who was suddenly diagnosed with a, a liver failure, was flown to Omaha. The parents were told as soon as they landed, you need to start making funeral plans. But God turned it into good by allowing, giving me opportunity. My, uh, one of our elders went down. We went down. We prayed for him. We didn't know what was going to happen. We just know we were supposed to pray. So we laid hands on the little girl. I mean, she was greener than green. And we thought she was going to die the next day. And so we prayed. said, God, would you do something? Would you work a miracle? To be honest, my prayer wasn't that faith-filled, so this should give me more glory to God. The very next day, we get a phone call and says, hey, her blood levels are back. We don't have to prepare her funeral. Everything's good to go. She's going to be dismissed here in three weeks, and she'll be back home. She'll be in church. Come on. That's good. That's good. That's good. See, God turns your bad day and turns it. What was the good in that? Well, the little girl got to experience a huge miracle from God. Not only did she experience it, but every doctor in her room experienced it. They can't. They couldn't figure out what. They didn't do anything. God did it all. God turns your bad day and turns it into good. God took the bad day of our missionary who, who was just here in Nicaragua. He was just here a couple of weeks ago, Mauricio Rodriguez. His mom threw him down in an outhouse because she couldn't take care of a child in a third world country, hoping that he was going to die. But he landed in the pile of filth. His head was stuck up because of a stick, able to breathe. He was rescued. God turned his bad day into good because now he's one of the most prominent missionaries in Nicaragua in the midst of strife and civil war, reaching thousands for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on. God turns your bad day into good. Now, here's this one. God took the bad day of Horatio Spafford, a guy that's entered financial ruin. He lost his son to illness. His daughter's to a horrible ship, shipwreck and made it good by giving him the words to pen a hymn to write the lyrics down that for hundreds of years, Christians can sing to bring encouragement in the midst of the bad day and know that God is faithful in the past. He'll be faithful right now. He'll be faithful in the future. So it is going to be well with my soul. It's going to be all right. It's going to be good. It is going to be okay. Church, know today that God works all things for the good of those who love him. Yes, bad days happen, but God did not leave you in that bad day. He did not leave you in that bad day. Here's the other cool thing about Jesus. Jesus, he says he, he does not leave you. He does not forsake you. So while you're having your bad day, guess who's right there with you enduring it? Jesus. When you lose your child, guess who's right there weeping alongside of you? Jesus. When you lose your job, you don't know how you're going to fill your fridge or pay the bills, guess who's, who's right there beside you? Jesus. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus is right beside you. Here's what's interesting about our days. Oswald Chambers said something that was, um, that would hopefully see your bad day in a new light. 
we'll post this on Facebook, and you guys can print it out and uh, put it on your mirror, somewhere where you can see this. But it, he says something interesting. He says this. He says, any great calamity in the natural world, death, disease, bereavement, will awaken a man when nothing else would. He is never the same again. We would never know the treasure of the darkness if we were always in the place of placid security. We would never know the treasure in the darkness if we were already in a good season. We would never know the benefit of going through a hard time if life was always good. It's called the treasure in the darkness. In our bad days, they are actually our benefit because it's the bad days that push us to the presence of God. It's the bad days that should push you to the presence of God. Now, let's be honest. When our life is good, how much do we praise God? Be honest with me. I will be honest. Rarely. And I'm the pastor. When days are going well, God gets neglected. The days are going good. Because in my natural self, I think, oh, I got this. Everything's going well. I mean, I might shout like a little hallelujah to God and say, God, praise you for this. Like everything's going well. But like the deepness with God, it, it gets shallower because everything's going well. How many times do you run to God when things are going bad? A lot. All the time. Even if it's like a small thing, like God, would you get my order at McDonald's right this time? <laughs> Don't lie, you lift that prayer up. You do that. We do that all the time. But here's the thing, the treasure of the darkness that Oswald Chambers is talking about, that in the midst of the bad day, we can run to God. Why? Because being near to God is for your good. Being near to God is for your good. Psalm 73, 28 says this, but as for me, how good is it to be near to God? Why? Because I have made a shelter, that I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter in this hard time. The Lord is my treasure in the darkness. It's good to be near to God because he's close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. Maybe today you're broken. Maybe today you feel crushed. Maybe you don't think you could take another day in this life. Maybe you have thoughts about just ending it all. I want to let you know right now, the sun will rise again. You need to know Jesus is right there with you. He has not left you. He does not think you're not good enough. He has not left you for another person who might be better. He's right there with you 24-7. So have hope. The Lord draws near to those who are brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit because the Lord, he's my good. He's my treasure in the darkness. So God is in control. We know that because he works all things for the good of those for who love them. And here's the last thought to keep with you on, on a bad day. With God, troubles are temporary. With God, troubles are temporary. This is true both in this life as well as eternity. And I want to answer a very hard question during this time. And so I encourage you not to, 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 to be distracted or anything because this is a really hard part to preach to. Not because I don't want to preach to it, but because it, it answers a very hard question that a lot of us have come into reality with. The first part that troubles are temporary with God, um, I have yet to have a bad day and that bad day be forever long. Every bad day that I have had 
has came to an end. It's temporary. I've had bad days turn into bad seasons, but that's the thing with seasons. They always change, amen? Might be a very, very long season. Might be a couple of years. But they will end. They will end. Troubles are temporary. And if you're in a bad season, know that it's only temporary and it will be gone. It will pass. It may be a long season. You might have to endure it. The Bible even says that this will happen to those who follow Jesus, so don't count it as a surprise when it hits you in the face. But it's going to pass. But the sad reality that troubles are temporary because we have to think beyond this world. Because this is not our forever home. So we might come across a season where our loved one might develop cancer. And we're praying to God and saying, God, would you deliver them from this cancer? I have the faith above any other faith. I, got, I believe you can move mountains. Lord, I know you can heal the sick. You can make the lame walk, the, the deaf to, to hear, the mute speak. You can raise the dead. So, Lord, I know you can get rid of this cancer in my loved one. And you're praying and you're praying and you're praying and you're praying. And they die. We have to think beyond this world. As Christians, we need to have an eternal mindset. Because right here is not our forever home. Heaven is our eternity. So when you come into life where that happens to you, I've been at the bedside of people that have passed away from that. I've seen it. I know it's hard. But even then, we know troubles are still temporary because now they're in their forever home pain-free living the life that we wish we could live. We're not worldly beings. We're made for eternity, church. And so even then, when you're face to face with death, still know troubles are temporary. They're temporary. And I know it's hard. And I know it sucks. And I know it's painful. But you need to know God is still in control. This bad will be turned into good. And that this pain you're feeling is temporary. Here's what I want to wrap up with. This verse in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. 2 Corinthians says about days, and if you're able to, I encourage you again, write this down, put it somewhere, use this as an encouragement for yourself. But this is something we need to know, especially on those bad days. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, it says this. It says, this is why we never give up. Church, first of all, Jesus does not want you to give up. Do not give up. He says, this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles, they're small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Church, we do not look at the troubles that are right in front of our face. We don't look at them. What do we do instead? He says instead, rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Well, Vaughn, that does not make sense. Again, think beyond this world. Think eternally. What, what, what happens when we fix our eyes on things that we cannot see? For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. 
That's the hope that we have. We need to see a few things in this. Number one, we never give up because our troubles are small. They won't last. We endure through the bad days. Why? Because it actually matures us as Christians. The Bible calls it the refining process. So then, we do not look at the troubles as they are now. Instead, we, we fix our eyes on God and trust him that through these bad days, he's still in control. He's going to turn the bad into good. And God is going to get the glory, and we're going to benefit from it, and so the people around us are going to benefit from this. Let me end with this. Jesus, who walked on this earth perfect and blameless, had a very, very bad day. A very bad day where he was hung on the cross, betrayed by one of his best friends, just for some money. They took him in the middle of the night, which was illegal, They drug him into the courtyard. They accused him. They spit upon him. They beat him. He bled out in the courtyard. His own other best friends that were trying to be the good best friends, even he denied him three times. So not only is he hurting, but now he's being abandoned. And he carries the cross of Villa de la Rosa, the road that leads up to Calvary Hill. And he gets up there, and they put him on a cross, and they nail through his hands and his feet and press a crown of thorns upon his head. And now he's naked and stripped and bruised, and he's up there so everyone can mock him. A very, very bad day. Very bad day. But there was a moment where Jesus says something. And God turns that bad day into good. Jesus said with one of his last breaths, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I've taught on this before. We've taught on that, that you know, God left his son because he took on the sin of the world, which, was, which is true. But I studied a little bit deeper into this and I found something out. In that time of the Jewish faith, Jesus was a, was a rabbi. I want you to see what he was saying. Don't tune out here. I want you to see this. This is Jesus on his bad day, but God turns it into good. Check this out. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away from me when I groan for help? You see, when God says, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? The Jewish people, they knew exactly what he was stating right here. He goes on, verse 3 says, every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb, and you led me to trust you at my mother's breast. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help. My strength has all dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. 
My enemies surround me like a pack of wild dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and pierced my feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies, they stare at me and they gloat. They divide my garments among themselves. They throw dice for my clothing. Oh, Lord, do not stay away from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Has anyone felt like that before? Like you're just left for dead. God has abandoned you. The evil is closing in on you. You can barely breathe. And you're wondering, God, where are you? Where did you go? This is where God turns it for good. You see, we still have to say it as well. And he says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. Jesus knows your pain. He knows your anguish. He has not turned his back on them, for he has listened to the cries for the help. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him, for the royal power belongs to Jesus. He rules all the nations. Our children will serve him. Future generations will hear about him. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything that he has done. He's saying this, God left his son to bear the weight on the cross so that you can stand here today in the midst of of your issues and bad day, knowing that Jesus is there. He's had his bad day, but guess what? He conquered it. It's done. It's finished. So you need to know, even though you're going through a bad day, Jesus can see into the future. He knows it's going to be finished. It's going to be done. It's going to pass. So have hope. Have hope, church. Jesus, on his bad day, even he is right there next to you. In the middle of your pain, sin and mess, in the worst of the bad days, God is still present. Amen, church? It is well. It's one of the favorited hymns for hundreds of years because of this very point. This is what it says in your, in your notes. One of the lines there, there's a typo there. It says, it says my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Church, know that your bad days, they're gonna be over. Keep these three thoughts, tuck them in your back pocket, and know that you're going to be okay. Know that you're not of this world, but you're part of eternity. God is with you. Will you guys stand? Father, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you that you are always present. I've only got two calls this morning. Don't pack up yet. We're going to go back into some time of worship. First one is this. If you're going through a bad day right now, might be a bad season, can you just slip your hands up? I just want to pray for you. Just going through a bad day. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to pray for you. Father, God, I pray that you'd give those who need encouragement, Lord, would you give them encouragement? Lord, if they need provision, would you provide for them? Lord, if they're standing in fear, God, would you give them hope? Knowing that this bad day, it's soon going to be over, and it's going to be okay. Lord, that we would rely on your Bible, which is truth, and knowing that you draw near to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Now, being to the near to God is actually for our good. 
and that we keep our eyes not on the things, not on our issues of this life, but we're going to keep our eyes on heaven and run after God. Second one is this. If you're standing here and saying, you know what? It's not well with my soul. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I'd like to. I want to be able to declare that walking out of here that it's going to be okay because I love God and God is going to turn the bad into good for those who love him. If that is you, I'm telling you, it's a simple prayer. If that is you saying, yes, I want to walk in a relationship with God, would you just slip your hand up? No one's looking. I just want to pray for you. Is anyone here? Amen. So it's a simple prayer saying, Lord, would you just come to my heart? Would you make me clean? Would you make me new? Lord, today, I'm not following after my own selfish desires, but God, I'm running after you. And beyond that prayer, you just live it out. When bad days hit, you run to God first. When good days come, you rejoice in God first. And know that God, he's always there with you. God is in control. He turns the bad into good. God loves you. He does. Father, I thank you for this message. Thank you for this time. Lord, will you bless our time of worship? In your mighty name, amen. Let's go ahead and sing the song together, church.